0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. We have been preaching and understanding what godly vision is as a church. Um, we are in our 13th week of this, and we've been using the story of Nehemiah to correlate what I believe that God has given us as a church here specifically the local church, Pursuit Church, and the season that we are in. And we are looking through the life of Nehemiah and the people of Israel that were scattered but now have built the temple and have built the walls and are now coming back to the city of Jerusalem. And we are seeing it in an understanding of how God gives vision to his church. Come on, God gives vision to his church. And with that understanding... There are certain things that take place when vision comes to a body. There's something that happens when vision comes into your life. It gives you direction just like it gave Nehemiah direction. And it also builds faith just like it built faith in him. Remember, he got vision from God and he had faith to build what was his. Today, in the same way, God gives us vision in order to have faith to build what is his. Amen? Come on, do you have faith today? Amen? Well, today we're going to jump into the next part, and oddly enough, Rich preached my message, um, which is fine. So I'm going to try to add on to that. Uh, my title, my message is "Vision Produces Hope." Amen. Um, this wasn't something that we set up together. Um, he sent me a text yesterday, uh, telling me what he was going to be preaching on, and. It was what I was preaching on, and I was not going to change or deviate. Obviously, the Spirit of God knows what the church needs right now, knows what you need right now. And so today, I want you to have ears to hear, and I believe that if you will just hear the Word of God and allow the Holy Ghost who is inside of you to confirm His Word, to get it deep in your heart. Now, first, it's going to have to go through your mind, and I understand that. So you may hear things today that will challenge your reason. They will challenge your perspective. They will challenge what you've gone through. But allow God's word to go past the mind and come deep within your heart and transform your life. Amen. One of the things I want to encourage you today is allow the spirit of God to lead you into truth. Because that's who he is. He is the spirit of truth. And the Bible says he'll lead you into all truth. So let me pray for you today. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the Holy Ghost that is dwelling and living inside of every single one of us. I thank you that your word today is life. It's living. I thank you that the Word of God, the Bible, is not just some words on a page. But God, I thank you that it is given by God, written by men, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and that it is living, it is active. I think it's discerning the thoughts and the intention of our heart today. I thank you, Lord, that it's like a sword that will pierce between the spirit and the soul, between bone and marrow. I thank you today for life that comes from the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path, that your Word, God, today gives us direction and gives us a clear path of what we are supposed to do. So I thank you for vision in Pursuit Church, for vision in every family, for vision in every individual life. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. Now, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And I'm going to read out a couple different translations for you to get a full understanding of what this verse is saying to us right now. It says in verse 18 in the King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Another translation says this in the Amplified. Where there is no vision, which means no revelation of God and his word, notice that vision is revelation of who he is. Vision comes from the spirit of God and his word revealing God to you today. Come on, vision reveals his plan. Vision reveals his way. Amen. Come on, just like Jesus spoke to the disciples and to the, the crowd and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This was revelation. Now, many people didn't hear it because they didn't have ears to hear. They were blinded because of their heart was calloused or was against what the message Jesus preached, the message of the kingdom, the message that he was God in flesh. They couldn't believe it. And so some heard it, some didn't. It's just like vision. Some people catch on to what God's vision is, and some people can't see it because they can't hear it yet. See, today we must have ears to hear it. They amplify it again. It says, "Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God." And one more translation, the NLT, which is the New Living Translation, it says, "When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful." Notice that joy comes from obedience. Obedience brings joy in your life. Now, the enemy will lie to you and say, no, obedience is going to bring you a constricted life. Obedience today is going to keep you from enjoying life and having fulfillment and having satisfaction. But the reality is we are not obeying God just to get something from him. We are obeying God because what he has given to us. Our obedience has not come because we're trying to get something out of the world. No, we have been brought out of the world. Come on. And into the kingdom of our dear son. Come on. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, which is this world, into the kingdom of light. Amen? Now, the Bible says this in Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter chapter, uh, 1. I'm going back to the beginning for a moment. Nehemiah chapter 1. In verse 4, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. Now, what was the word that Nehemiah heard? Well, we've heard this spoken, that Jerusalem, the people of God, are scattered. It's in destruction. Is The walls are destroyed. And for over 146 years, the attempt of building the walls has not been able to take place. So Nehemiah, hearing the word from his brother, brought him to a place of mourning. It brought him to a place of hopelessness. It brought him to a place of, God, we repent for what we have done. Notice, he says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. What do you do when a hopeless situation comes in your path? When you hear a negative word from the doctor. When you experience something in life that challenges you, that is hard to go through, is it like Nehemiah, where you hear of the pain and you hear, and it brings ultimately at first sadness, grieving, but then it leads you into prayer. It leads you into getting to that place with God. See, as a believer, joy will, or sadness will come, but joy comes in the morning. You may experience sadness in the midnight. But the Bible says that joy will come in the morning. The Bible even says to put on the garment of praise. He'll give you beauty for ashes. See, today, as a Christian, do not think that you will not experience life. Do not think that you will not experience pain and suffering because, oh, you will. But in pain, in suffering, in hardship, you can go to the Father in prayer. And in prayer, what happens is you build up your heart, or you build up your faith, and you come out of that place strong in the Lord. Not by my might nor by my power, but by my spirit. Come on, today your strength comes from the spirit of God and the work and the ministry of him in your life. He'll guide you. He'll comfort you. He'll help you. He'll lead you. That is the role of the Holy Spirit today, amen? Thank God that you have the Holy Ghost inside of you. Without him, you would be nothing. Without him today, you would not even be saved. Without him today, you would have no power to overcome in this life. But it's because the Holy Ghost in you and working in your life, working through you and ultimately working for you, because we know that he works in many different ways, that you will be able to overcome in life right now. Not when you die and go to heaven. No, God wants you to experience heaven on earth today. God wants you to be a man and woman of God that is overcoming with power and joy and peace through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, he says this in verse 5. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 6. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. To hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. Now go to chapter 2, verse 4. Now, we know that Nehemiah fasted and prayed for four months. Four months of prayer and fasting, seeking God. And during these four months, God gave him vision to build the walls. Now, let's go to chapter 2, verse 4. We know that Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. He's serving a pagan king, not a godly king. We know that he is a eunuch, meaning he's been castrated. We know that where he is at physically located right now is given to him because of the favor of God on his life. Because God positions people in places to do his will. Now, what looked like a terrible situation for Nehemiah ultimately was God working in his life for future for the people of Jerusalem. See, in your life today, you may be positioned in a place where you don't understand. You may be positioned in a place that doesn't make sense and there's hardship, there's challenges, but just know this, this may be the very place that God has you to grow and to develop to move you to do his will for future tense. See, He was in a hard place, but even in the hard place, God gave him vision. You may be in a hard place today, but God will give you vision. See, as a body, what does that mean for us locally as a church? We may be in a hard place, meaning there's not many churches around. There's not many Christians in this area. I've heard that before. This is an unchurched area. People are so just fulfilled with money. They don't need God. And maybe you come in contact with people like that all throughout the peninsula, where there's not really a natural need. Because they got all the money in the world. But let me help you today. We cannot allow to use excuses or reasons for, not, for us not to preach the gospel and do the work of God that he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. So as a church, even in a hard place, even when something gets going and it seems like it stops, we're going to keep on doing the work. Amen. Amen? Because God will give you vision in a hard place. So God gave vision to Nehemiah. Now notice this. It says in verse 4 of Nehemiah, or verse four, of chapter 2, Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? Because he noticed that he was in a place of sorrow. He noticed he was in a place of mourning. And he said, how come you're acting like this? What's wrong? Why is your countenance so low? And in verse 4 he says, the king said to me, what are you requesting? And he said that Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven, meaning he got vision from God. And in verse 5, he said, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Now we know that the story of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls. The temple's been done, but now the walls need to be fortified. They need to be built so that the people of Israel can come back in. So that they can occupy this city. Amen? Look, God will give you vision to build something, and then occupancy will follow. You can't expect anything or anyone to occupy what isn't already built. Any business owner could tell you that. When it comes to making a business or starting a business, they're going to go through many years of building, fixing things, correcting things, all the challenges of working, the, the culture out, the ethos out, figuring out how they're going to do it. And then through those years, that's when it begins to get filled. See, when God gives you vision, it may look small. It may start out with just an idea. It may start out with just a word or a commandment. And you got to be faithful and committed to that word that God gives you. Amen. Nehemiah was faithful and committed. And because he was, we know that when they built the wall and finished the wall, well, what happened? The people came in. And then they came into a place of repentance before God, a place of worship for about a month celebrating festivals, getting back to the five books of the Bible, what we call, or the Pentateuch, or the law, what they would call them, which was written by Moses, and remembering God's word and correcting their sin or correcting their lifestyle to God's promises so that they could experience the blessing of God upon their life. See, again, when you walk in obedience, you will experience God's promises in your life. Obedience is key. Obedience is key. Now, he says, I want to go rebuild it. Now, Nehemiah was given vision by God, and vision brought hope for him or brought hope to him. And we know that when he gets the approval to go build, he goes to the people, to the tribes, to the leaders and says, hey, this is the vision that God has given me. What do you say? It says, let's build what God has commanded us to build. We have faith to build See, notice that vision produced hope in Nehemiah. It produced hope in the leaders, in the tribes, in the workers. In the same way today, when God gives vision to his people, it produces hope. When there's vision within a family, it produces hope. When there's vision for an individual, it produces hope. Today, you need to find out God's word for your life. Meaning you need to get in his word and you need to understand that God has a perfect plan for you, and today you can find out what that is. It may simply just be obey right now and be faithful and committed to where you are today. Because sometimes we try to make it some extravagant thing, but in reality it's just being obedient to Him. It's just serving Him. Faithful committed to the house of God. Faithful committed to the work that you do. Faithful and committed to your marriage. Faithful and committed to your children. Faithful and committed to every day in life serving Him and walking before the Lord. Now, notice this: it brought hope to the people. So, hope produces, or vision produces hope. Now that they had hope, what does the Bible says in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one? Now, faith is the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith doesn't rely on the things that you can see in the natural, because if you can see it in the natural, if you can experience the natural, it ain't faith at all. And we know that faith comes only by one place in Romans ten seventeen by hearing the word of God or the word of Christ. By hearing and hearing the word of Christ. That's how faith comes today. So if you lack faith, notice it first starts with hope. Hope is the bedrock or the foundation for faith to work in your life. Hope is the bedrock or the foundation for faith to work in your life. Today... We have a hope of glory who is Jesus Christ. Come on, he is the hope of our glory. And today, because of that hope that's been given to you of salvation, Bible says that by grace, meaning his part, through faith, you are saved. So you heard of salvation, that you could be saved, that you could give your life to a Savior, to a Lord, and he'll lord you. You'll find refuge in him. You'll find strength in him. You'll find peace in him. There's life in him. You'll go to heaven. That's hope today, right? And because of you or because of hearing of that, it produced hope, and then it produced faith to believe that actually what he has done is for you today. And then through faith, what follows? Work. So you got hope, then faith, then you got work. Right? The Bible says in James chapter 2, go there for a moment. James chapter 2. You all right? James chapter 2. I'm going to read a series of scripture to you. Now, many of you probably know this. Verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Verse 17, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Just like Rich said a second ago, you can believe. You can know. But how do you know you believe? You do something, you participate. How do you know you believe in the vision that God has called us to do? You participate. Now, let's think about it at a corporate level for our church. Talk about the body, members of the body. How do you know you believe in the vision that God has planted you in? Talking about his house, his church. You participate. You're faithful to the house of God. You're faithful to giving. You're faithful in worship. You're faithful in inviting people to church. Let's go to just like ground, just like simple. You tell people about your church, you're constantly reminding people. You're on Facebook, on Instagram, posting those things saying, man, come to my church. You're saying, is that really all it is? Yeah, it starts there. Because you have vision. You have vision for a place that God has set you in. What else does it look like? Being faithful in life, in your job. Do you know that you, faithful and committed in your own job, is going to preach of the goodness of God in your life? How you act in your job? People are going to know that you're a Christian. You say, really? Oh, yeah. Do you constantly complain about your job? Do you constantly complain about your employer? You know, do you get on the side of the employees and just start bad talking and just speaking negative and gossiping and doing all that and complaining? See, the Bible says don't let any corrupt talk come out of you. Think about it. A Christian lives differently. We have a different lifestyle. It is on witness for everybody to see because ultimately the way you live will lead people to Christ. Come on. Now, he says this. So you see, faith by itself, it isn't enough unless it produces good deeds or good works. It is dead and useless. Now, some may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Come on. Verse 19. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is dead, or what we all know, faith without works is dead? Now, what happened with Nehemiah is had hope, brought hope to the people, gave them faith. They began to build. There's the work. Faith produces works. Faith without dead... Our faith without works is dead. So I will show you my faith by my works. So the same for you today. I will show people my faith, my belief in God, my conviction for being a follower of Christ by what I do, by what I say, by how I live. You hear? See, as a Christian, we need to get strong conviction for what we believe in. And strong conviction, how do you know you got strong conviction for it? Works follow. You can have strong conviction and not do anything about it. And this is what we call just being cold, or the Bible calls it lukewarm. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. You're either hot or you're cold. See, I'd rather serve with people that are fully hot for Jesus, meaning want to give them everything they have and still mess up. That still struggle with sin. That still struggle in their life than somebody that says they're perfect but never puts a hand to the plow any day in their life. You got a lot of people that are spiritually prideful, like, oh, man, I'm a good Christian. I'm great, but they'll never do anything for God. But they can tell you how you're wrong and how they're right. No, let's not be like that. Today, don't allow your own struggle to stop you from doing God's will in your life. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Look at, the li- look at the lives of the men and the women of the Bible. Look at the lives of the men and the disciples that followed Jesus and how much sin was in their life. How many mistakes they made, but they still built what God called them to build. Don't allow struggle and hardship to stop you from doing what God's called you to do. See, it's the religious that would say, No, that God doesn't love you. It would be the religious that would say, no, God doesn't have a purpose and plan for you until you get your life right, until you start changing. You need to make, do this and do that. No, that's good. That's works. That is a work-based relationship. No, what happens is when you get a revelation of the blood of Jesus and you get a revelation of the hope of our glory, it produces hope within you. Then it produces faith within you and then it produces works in you. And as you are working and doing God's will, the obedience will follow See, when you begin to do God's will in your life, let me help you. You're going to not want to sin. When you are building it says, you're not going to want to mess up. And when you do, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel that conviction of the Holy Ghost. You're going to feel the pain of that. You're going to feel the guilt and the shame. That's what comes from sin, not God. We know that sin, guilt, or guilt and condemnation comes from sin, not from God. Come on. Today, we got too many Christians that are not doing God's will because they think they're not worthy enough or they're not good enough to do what he has called them to do. Let me help you. That is a lie. And that's why you're hopeless. No, you have a hope and it's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Today, if you are struggling, if you are hopeless because you think you're not good enough, let me help you. None of us are. And to think that you even are, that's arrogant. That's pride. No, it's through the blood of Jesus that makes you righteous and holy. Come on. Now listen. Full of faith, they did the work. Now we know they finished the walls. We saw that in verse 7 or chapter 7. The finishing of the wall gave the people more hope. And brought in more of the Israelites. So what happened? It says in chapter 9 that they separated themselves from foreigners. And they stayed in a state of repentance before God. Worshiping and remembering his word or his law for about a month. So notice what happens. Hope gives me a way to have faith. Faith, if I am in faith, produces works. Worse gets the job done when the job's done or when I fulfill what God's called me to do. let me help you. You're going to be doing what God's called you to do for the rest of your life. Now, there may be things that you'll finish that he'll say, all right, time to move to the next thing, yeah. right? Okay. And some of you have already finished that thing that he's told you to finish, but you haven't moved on to the next thing. You're still just living in yesterday's, you know, what you've done. No, you need to move to the next thing. And some of you still haven't done what God's called you to do and finished what he's called you to do. And you just need to go ahead and finish it up. Amen? Come on, stay faithful and committed. Now notice this, finishing of the wall brought hope to the people because now not just the people that worked on the walls, but it brought people that were scattered that didn't work on the walls. The work got done, it brought more people. People started coming back to the city, like, wow, we can actually live here, we can abide here, we can abode here, we can assemble together, and that's exactly what they do. Ezra gets on a pulpit, very similar to this, and he starts preaching the word of God. They start repenting. They start getting back to a place of remembering what God has done for them. It's the same way what happens in our life. See, when God calls us to a vision, it will bring people to a place of repentance. It will bring people to a place of worship. It will bring people to a place of pursuing him and seeking him in all that they do. They had to get the word first in them. And this is the same way in our life. In order to do what God's called you to do, the word has to be the center. Because if it's not, you'll do things in the flesh. You'll do things in your own reason or you won't do them because of your own reason. Amen? Now, look at this. Vision brought hope to Nehemiah and the people. Now, we know the Bible says, just like we heard a second ago in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, that made the God of hope. So God is hope. May the God of hope in verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So God will fill you with joy and peace in believing. Notice that, believing. Today, you're going to have to believe. The NLT says it this way. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Notice that joy and peace comes when you trust in him or when you have faith in him. They had faith that what Nehemiah brought, the vision, they had faith in it, meaning they had faith in God. And because of that, we know that when the wall was done, there was great joy. They were praising Him. They came in unity before Him. They were repenting before Him. See, when you get filled with God, it changes you. The Bible says, don't be filled with wine, which is excess. Talk about the natural things of life. But be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled today with the Spirit of God. How do you know you're filled? You start singing, you start praising, making melody in your heart, just like the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18. You could put that up there. You start thanking him. Look, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks. Come on, say give thanks. Give thanks. For everything to God in the, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that I like, the Amplified says on Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith. Through the experience of your faith. Faith has experience. Come on, some of you experience God's promises in your life because of the faith that you had. Come on, how many you remember those times when God showed up and you're like, Man, I really needed God to show up and he did. Come on, how many can testify to that today? your experience of faith. Now, there may be some things that you're still believing God to do that you haven't seen, but let me help you. Hold on, stand in faith. The Bible says hold fast to your confession of faith. Contend for the faith. Come on, being a person of faith is not easy, but it is easy when you trust in the Lord. It's hard when you rely on yourself, but when you trust in God and you trust in his word and you trust in the Holy Ghost working in your life, oh, it's easy because you can just rest How many know being a Christian and serving God should be easy? And what do I mean, easy? You rest in them. Just resting in them. Oh man, life's crazy. There's so many things going on, but I'm resting in them today. Greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. Oh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on. See, we got to get a hold of God's word in our life. See, hope comes from God. Now, his word will produce hope. Why? Because his word never fails. Romans fifteen four. Look at this. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach you. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Scriptures give us hope. Why? Because we know his promises will be fulfilled. How was Abraham able to hope against hope? He didn't consider his body the deadness of his of his seed, and he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. No, he was focused or he had faith in what God promised he was able to perform. Right? In Romans chapter 4. Go ahead and put that up, Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Is it if we just use the word of God today? And it says this that is what it means what scriptures told him, or that God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in God, or in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. In verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham, verse 20, never wavered in believing God's promise. Now, we know this is true with Nehemiah. Nehemiah had people against him, Sinbalit, Tobiah, and Geshem. They tried to kill him up to four times, but he never wavered in faith. He never left the work that God called him to. See, we can't get distracted when it comes to God's vision in our life. See, when you got hope and you're working and there's faith in you, distractions may come, but you stay focused. They don't deter you from what God has called you to do. You know when people get off of what God's called them to do and they're constantly moved by distractions or they're constantly moved by hardship, they don't got faith in God. They're not stand, standing in him, they're not resting in him. How do you know someone has faith in God and resting in him when problems come, when challenges come? Because they will. You continue to stand your ground. You continue to stand firm. And having done all, just like the Bible says in Ephesians 6, stand. So today, if you're not standing, let me help you. Get in faith. You said, I don't got faith. Well, get the word in your heart just like Abraham did. And he said that he, as he heard the word, that he mixed it in his heart with faith. Come on. Today, you need to mix the word of God with faith in your heart today. Believing in God, just like Abraham. Believing in God's promise. In fact, Faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. How many fully believe that today? That God is able to do whatever he promises. You see, and I, I know what happens when we hear messages like this. We think, man, I'm just a terrible Christian because I don't have faith like that. I get it. Like, I mean, I don't believe like that. If you understood my faith life, it's nothing like Abraham's. It's nothing like Nehemiah's. It's up and down, left, right, everywhere. And I understand that. But the reality is just because you have experienced your walk of faith in that manner does not mean that you have to continue to live like that. That is the hope. There is hope for a better future. Because if you think experiencing life like that is just gonna be up, down, left, and right, always something going on, always be struggling. No, that's because you haven't understood what faith is. Because struggle will come, but you can still stand in faith in the middle of a struggle. How did Jesus, when a storm was happening and there were waves that were hitting the boat, there was wind that was howling? The disciples are freaking out, Jesus is sound asleep. He comes up, they wake him up, says, Master, what do we do? They're terrified. he's like, speak to it. And he speaks to it. And he turns and looks at him and says, oh, you of little faith. See, I think sometimes that our struggle is we still think that we are natural human beings. Reality is not. You're a spiritual being. You have a new nature found in Christ. But we keep on trying to relive or bring back that old dead nature in us. It is dead. You are alive in Christ. So walk in Christ, put on Christ. The Bible says like this put on Christ and put off the dead things. Put them on. Instead of looking in that mirror and seeing just who you are, no, begin to look through the spiritual mirror, God's Word, and see who He calls you. See who He has created you to be. See who He has purposed you to be. But you can be even like David. Go to Psalms chapter 23. Psalms chapter 23. I'm almost done. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I'm going to read a different translation. I'm going to go to ESV. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at that. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow... Now look, there's a valley of a shadow of death that you'll walk through. But sometimes Christians just stay there because they think they're supposed to stay there. That's all they know. They're so used to it. They don't know how to get out of it. And their life is a continual cycle. There's good days, and it goes right back to being bad. And they're constantly living in this habitual cycle. But the reality is God didn't call you to live in a cycle. No, he called you to break out of that cycle. And when you do experience the valley of the shadow of death... Look what happens. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. When you're in the valley, when you're experiencing darkness, when you're experiencing hardship, what is your response to it? Is it fear? Because fear, what is that going to do? It's going to cause you not to be in faith. Fear is going to cause you to be in doubt. Fear is going to cause you to be in unbelief. And ultimately, it's going to cause you to be hopeless. You ain't going to have any hope. You're going to be hopeless. Or is it, I will fear no evil. I will have faith in you, God. I know you are with me. I'm fully convinced that what you have promised God, you're going to perform. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, what do we have today that comforts us? Anybody want to guess? The Holy Ghost. The Comforter. The Helper. So today, in the same way that David was singing unto God, because let me tell you, in this Psalms, he was going through great hardship. He was going through great challenges. But rather than complaining, what did he do? He praised. See, when you're full of hope, there's a sound that comes out of you. When you're full of hope, there's a sound. Nehemiah had a sound. It was, we can build this. The people, it got in them. They got a sound and said, we can build this. When they came back and the wall was finished, you heard a sound, praise, repentance. That's the sound of revival. That's the sound of a church that affects the region that they're in. It should have a sound of praise. It should have a sound of repentance. It should have a sound ultimately that God is for us. And if he's for us, then who could be against us? Amen. Now, notice this. I want to show you some correlation real quick. Hope caused faith to build. Hope makes faith possible for you and me today. Hope makes faith possible. Starts with hope. Secondly, their faith caused them to work on the wall. Faith always has corresponding works. Always. The finished work brought more people or brought more hope to the people. For us today, the finished work of Jesus Christ gives us hope. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, it says it this way. Hebrews 4, 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 10, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. See, today, we, as believers, we have been given a blessed hope. The last one, or sorry, two more. Hope filled the city. Today, we have been filled with God's spirit. Ephesians 5.18, we just read. John 6.63. 1 Corinthians 6.19. 1 Corinthians 3. 16, we know that we have been filled or given the Holy Spirit, that He dwells in us. See, hope is going to help you carry out the vision. Today, do you have hope to see the good in your marriage? Today, do you have hope that responds to hardship through patience and prayer? Do you have hope today? for your children, that they will know God? Today, do you have hope for the future of your life? Today, do you have hope for the future of your church? Today, do you have hope for the future of this region? Do you have hope for the future of our country? See, we need to change how we talk about where we live, how we talk about the government, how we talk about our nation, how we talk about the time we're in, We need to talk in terms of hope. You're still on this earth, aren't you? You're the salt of the earth, aren't you? You're the light of the world, are you? Not? Yeah? Then there's still hope. Let's not disagree with everybody that says, oh, life's hopeless, life's hard. Man, look at the days we're living in. No. Say, man, look at the day we're living in. Today is the day the Lord has made. Come on, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You say, I mean, that sounds too real to be true. Well, that's the truth. That's what faith says. That's what hope says. A hopeless person is saying, I'm barely getting by. And I understand. But let me help you. There's a better way. Trust in his word. Allow his word to produce faith in you, to believe. And lastly, Hope is an anchor for our soul. Hope is an anchor for our soul. In Hebrews chapter 6, it says this in verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Notice that. His oath and his promise to you today, he can't go back on it. That would make him a liar. Is God a liar? No. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, how many need a place of refuge today? It's in him, can have great confidence as we hold to this hope that lies before us, speaking of Jesus. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Come on, I'm talking about the veil being removed and going to the place, the most holies, of, or the holies of holies, the presence of God is, verse 20, Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in in order of Melchizedek. What does that mean? We have a high priest today. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews, if you continue to read on, that he tore the veil that stood between us and God. And in the same way in the Old Testament where the high priest would go in and atone for sin, the same way Jesus today has washed away our sin by his redeeming blood. Today, there's hope in the blood of Jesus. Today, there's hope in our advocate being Jesus Christ. Today, there's hope in our mediator who is mediating between God and man. Today, there is hope through our high priest where now we can go boldly to the throne room of grace and obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Today, there is hope that comes from God's vision in our life. See, God has a purpose for you, just like Jeremiah 29, 11 says. Put that on the screen. Many people know this scripture. A lot of people quote it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Come on. There's hope today in God. There's hope for you to be able to run this race. To have endurance. And see, and that's what hope is. Hope is being able to patiently endure in life. Because you're going to have to learn patience. And patience is going to produce endurance in you. You have need for endurance. It's going to build character. Godly character. Godly character. There's a quote I want to read to you today that I'm done by Billy Graham. It says, Our world today so desperately hungers for hope, yet uncounted people have almost given up. There is despair and hopelessness on every hand. Let us be faithful in proclaiming the hope that is Jesus. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.